Welcome back to the audio diary of Aaron Lockman. And more specifically, welcome back to my mini-series, Unreviewable, in which I stare at an unreviewable thing for hours on end, never blinking, never looking away, until finally the unreviewable thing gives up in despair, pays me five bucks, and reviews itself. Today, we will be reviewing Failure. As I write this, it's about nine o'clock on a warm, breezy evening at the end of June, and I'm lying on the couch after a long, strange, and spiritually all-over-the-place kind of day. I had an audition this afternoon for a quite prestigious theater in the suburbs for a production with a mildly famous director. My relationship with auditioning, like that of most actors, is a complicated one. The correct way of thinking about auditioning, the one we are taught in school and the one that makes the idea bearable, is that you have to think of them as performance opportunities unto themselves. One simply must audition for a bunch of things without ascribing too much meaning to them. And if you get the job, that's great, but if you don't get the job, you simply move on to the next thing. Which is all well and good, and it's a philosophy I agree with on the surface, but this way of thinking negates the visceral reality of an audition, which is that you are in a room in front of people who have more power than you, trying to prove that you have a skill they can use. It is a job interview, with a twist. And unlike your standard job interview, it involves attempting to recreate compelling human emotions in a short span of time. And on top of that, since theater gigs usually last a few months at most, you feel lazy unless you're going for at least a few job interviews a month, even after you've already gotten a job. It's always going to be nerve-wracking. It's always going to dredge up feelings concerning your self-worth and whether you'll ever truly make it in this field, and all the deliberate, hilarious acting choices you made in the privacy of your apartment will nearly always vanish the second you walk into the room. And there's nothing shameful about that. In fact, my performances are always a little better when I'm nervous, but something that no one ever told me in college, and which I'm beginning to realize, is that it's okay to get down about it. After my audition today, I walked out the doors of the theater, and instead of heading to the train station to go home, I simply kept walking for a while. Today was simply stunning. 75 degrees or so, sunny but not too humid, gentle breezes all around. A few miles north of the theater lies a famous botanical garden that I'd heard good things about, so I decided to check it out. I thought that if I kept moving, if I found something to latch onto about this gorgeous day, I would stop reliving the audition in my head, stop hyper-focusing on little misremembered moments from minutes before, things I could point to to say, that went well, or that sucked ass. And it worked for a while. I had a simply glorious afternoon at the botanical garden. I breathed in the exotic plants and took pictures of the sun sparkling on the water, I paid $8 to see a garden that was full of model trains, zigging and zagging between plants and trees and miniature rivers and famous buildings recreated with sticks. I walked and walked until my legs were sore, and then I took a bus back to Chicago, stopping at the Trader Joe's in Evanston along the way. I came home and made spaghetti with meatballs. Cooking always makes me happy. I put some mushrooms and peas and corn and edamame in the sauce, and it was delicious. But as I lay down to watch internet videos in a post-dinner haze, 
My mind wandered back to the audition room. It started ascribing meaning to things out of my control, attempting to find solutions to problems that were out of my hands. I'm probably not the type they're looking for. I should have focused more on character work than memorization. It was incredibly naive to think that the mildly famous director would actually show up at the audition. Only people good enough to get cast will get to meet him. One thing my therapist and I have been talking about is the practice of not chastising yourself for the things you feel. The thought, I'm an idiot for feeling shitty right now, can lead to some very dysfunctional behaviors in ways that the simpler thought, I feel shitty right now, doesn't. And if you modify that and say, I accept that I feel shitty right now, or I feel shitty and that's okay, all kinds of doors open up for you. Life becomes less about being the picture of a perfect actor, bouncing from audition to audition with nary a gleam of doubt, and more about being a person. Feeling kind of shitty about an audition I just did, at least for an evening or so, is one of the few things that has let me move past it. Now, you may be wondering, this episode is supposed to be a review of failure. Why have I only talked about auditioning so far? Well, you might have guessed that I'm trying to wrangle my experience this afternoon into a metaphor about the larger issue of human failure. And you'd be right. But I want to focus on the moment after failure. It is easy to pick up the advice that failure helps you to learn from your mistakes and is a vital part of human endeavor, but nobody ever advises you to wallow, to sit in your failure, not for too long, just a little bit, before moving on. What if, after his every hair-brained scheme to catch the Roadrunner, we got to see just a few minutes of Wily e. Coyote lying face down on the hot desert sand, the unforgiving sun beating down mercilessly into his fur, watching him cry? Hearing his quiet sobs, the sobs he feels the need to conceal despite nobody being around. Catching a glimpse in his silent lament of the loneliness he feels. Feeling the squirming, fiery intensity of the fact that there is nobody he can talk to, no shoulder to cry on, not a single other inhabitant of this endless, empty fucking desert except the Roadrunner the one prey he knows he'll never catch. And then, what if, after he cried himself empty, he simply lay there for a moment more, his tears soaking into the sand around his eyes, and then evaporating in the unimaginable desert heat? And then what if he got up, took a deep breath, and dusted himself off, before walking off screen with his head held high, ready for the next Acme-branded scheme. Sure, you could say such a scene undermines Wiley's determined, never-give-up nature, that it would disrupt the comedic flow of the cartoon, and you would be right. But is that really healthier than pretending those moments don't happen? Because they happen, my friends, whether we like it or not. I give failure two and a half stars. <laughs> Next time on Unreviewable, we'll be taking a look at everybody's favorite dwarf planet, Pluto. And, 
Oh yeah, it's gonna get to excessive levels of nerd in here. Prepare your earballs.